Um, do you guys understand what leaning means? No, actually, you know. Come here, Bear. Preach it, Bear. Preach it. <laughs> you know, in my conversations, even, I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been pressing into this scripture. Okay. And then the other day, I was walking through the coffee shop, and I was like scratching my head, like, you know, I've never asked him, what do we even mean when we say? All right, here we go. Here, here, here we go. That's why we're asking. Ask, I don't know what that means. Yeah, if there's language you don't know, we should find out. Okay, Proverbs three, five, and six says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Everybody say, lean not. Lean not. On your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And in that context, acknowledge him for who he is. We acknowledge God as God. Okay, Romans 1. They knew God, but they did not know him as God. So trust in the Lord in your own, or trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. What does it mean to lean into him is acknowledging him and trusting him and leaning into him. So lean on. Right? So, so there's a place in leaning, right? That if I move, there's going to be something change, right? We're not going to do that. We're not going to demonstrate that. <laughs> <laughs> I go. How long should we stand here? I mean, this is this is sustainable, right? Because he is a rock that will not move. I can trust. Listen, if I will allow myself not to lean in my own understanding, I can lean into his understanding. Last week we talked about his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Our problem is we go to the Lord, but then we start thinking about it. And we start leaning into our understanding. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, right? And so, like, Bear can continue to lean on me more and more. Is he more committed now to the leaning? Yes. <laughs> right? Mm. So sometimes we lean like this. Right? And there's really not much. Like, if I move away, he can recover over something. Does that make sense? Yeah. So leaning in together means we're, we are, like, we are pressing into a place where we have to, we have to rely on him. Mm. Yeah. We begin to backtrack and we begin to rely on what we have to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. Your understanding is not bad. You just want me to rely on it. Really good. Say that again. Your understanding is not wrong. You just were never created to rely on it. God gave you your understanding. He created you for that to be harnessed together in a relationship of trusting and leaning into him. Does that make sense? Yes. But when I begin to use my understanding... Instead of trusting him, it will never work out good. I'm not coming against thought. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying whenever I begin to utilize, when I begin to use what God created for one thing to replace him, that's never going to work out well. Are we on the same page with that? Yeah. So when I'm saying let's lean into this, don't pray as if like, well, you know, we'll see how this turns out. Let's just pray. Go back to Psalm 115. Our God is in heaven, he does what he wants. Our God is in heaven, he does what he pleases. When we prayed for Lydia, before we knew the report of what was happening, we appealed in a life and death situation, something we cared about. But there was a place where we could appeal and say, God, best we know how, we're praying what you want in heaven to happen here on earth. That's what we do. I don't get my eyes set on what the results are. I get my eyes set on what I know is in his heart. Right? God's already told us that hunger is not his plan in terms of people not having bread to eat. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So when I hear reports of kids who are dying because they have no bread, I don't have to wonder, well, I wonder if that's God's plan. He's already told me it's not his plan. I don't look at that and say, well, that's, that sucks. I guess that's just the sovereignty of God. No, God's waiting for those who know his heart and know what's happening to release it on the earth. Does that make sense? That's how we approach this in prayer. We're not saying we have all the answers. We're just saying we know God's heart because he's told us. Bless the Lord of my soul, all that's within me. Bless the Lord of my soul, forget not any of his benefits. He forgives all of our sins, heals all of our diseases, redeems our life from the pit. If you know someone whose life's in the pit, that's not God's desire. Do you know that? So I don't have to say, God, do you want their life to be in the pit? No, you don't. So God, let your kingdom come and let your throne room desire happen here like it is in heaven. Does that make sense? So let's pray for David and Candace. Let's pray for Sarah. Let's pray for Micah and Lish specifically. Um, and, and for the, I'm really stirred up to see Lish get healing. Like we just need, I mean, like, let's listen. Like let's, man, if we need to fast, let's fast. We're not trying to fast as a formula, but let's listen to the Lord. Let's lean in together, right? Let's, you know, there are times I go to people's houses and they have nice dainty chairs, I'm like, oh, have a seat. I'm like, no, it's okay, I'll stand. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know if leaning <clears throat> is going to work out very well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like, I don't want us to just hang out. But let's, let's settle in. Let's, let's lean in. Let's lean in that kind of way. So let's pray for them. Uh, Michael and Hannah have been praying about God's speaking to them. Um, and I think they're still, they're still praying about that. I think right now where we're seeing stuff with Micah and Lish is like they're taking steps, right? So let's pray with them in that moment. Encourage them. If you feel like God's speaking, let them know. And we are working on how to communicate that stuff, you know? So when Micah left, I was like, oh, I was gonna see if he had something to share. And I was like, no, I'll text him and ask him, is there something we should, could share? And he's like, yeah, you can go ahead and share that. So let's just, let's just be intentional about praying. Be intentional about praying for Sarah, okay? Let's practice sending um, in that way, okay? Cool. And then pray for Adrian and I for our trip. We'll be hanging out with some of the Detroit crew on Friday um, and then uh, with David and Candace on Saturday and Sunday. I think we'll come back on Monday. Um, okay, a couple other announcements. Uh, some of you already know this will be special, Others of you don't know, but I'm asking you to really pray and be here next week. Um, John Weissman will be here to share uh, with us. And I am jealous that I won't be here, um, but cancel your trip because, you know, that's how I feel like, oh, okay. Um, in, in terms of that, as we are praying, um, this is a thing I've asked you guys to pray about. I've asked our leadership team to pray about it. Uh, Adrian and I have really spent time this week leaning and pressing in, um, you know, as God took Grandpa Jim to heaven, and uh, we have been praying over the last several months, just what, what does that look like in the place of people that we're connecting with? And um, John has been such a trusted friend uh, to us, and John is one of several people that we are just inviting to really be able to speak into our, our community and to have eyeballs on us. So um, we'll share more about those things, but I really encourage you, if you don't know John uh, and Janine, like, you should definitely try to be here just so you can get to be around them. But be praying that there be even a new sense of grace as we receive for, as a community from, from John, okay? Um, is there anyone who could coordinate um, a family dinner on February 4th? Is there anybody who would be willing to do that? Katie is adjusting her face. Um, 
<laughs> she was doing this. I was like, oh, I'm about to call on her, and she's not doing that. Her, her hand was the wrong direction. Um, I'd like to, is there anybody who would be able to do that? I'd, I feel like it'd be good. Okay, thank you, Anna. Um, so we'll have, on February 4th, we'll have a, just a potluck dinner. Um, if I bring something, we'll try to make sure we get the, the Google Doc stuff set up. Please, it's, it's important, you know, that we participate. If you're going to be gone, I, I think at this point in time, if you're going to be gone, communicate that. Because a lot of times we'll have like, oh, 20 people say they're coming and 55 show up, you know. And so it's just hard to prepare. And sometimes I'm like saying, ah, double that, you know, because <laughs> like I know. Uh, but it's, there's no reason for us to, to not do that. And then that, that Sunday also, um, I'm going to share some of the things that we really feel like God's speaking. Like when we ask you guys to pray about the transition stuff, I'm going to share that that Sunday. Only a couple more announcements, so just take a deep breath and we'll be done in just a second. The following weekend, the 10th and the 11th, we plan to conclude our conversation about sexuality. Um, on 2 o'clock on Saturday the 10th, we'll have a, like a question and answer time plus just conversation about specific areas of like that are contested um, in, the, in the body about sexuality. I want to make sure there's no dodging uh, questions or hard stuff. So if you have things you want to talk about, let us know ahead of time. Text me. Um, that's at, at 2. 6.30, let's get together. 6.30 that night, we'll have a, um, if we can do it, I'd like to have a short time of worship, and then we will have some time in the Word, and then we'll conclude on Sunday morning at 10.30. We'll, we'll try to wrap everything up. That's the, that's the direction I feel like the Lord's uh, leading us um, in that. I ask you last week to let us know by this week if you plan to be here. Please... Um, you can text me, just text me to make it clean so we don't have fumbles. We're trying to plan for nursery stuff. And so it's very important we know who's, who plans to come to those sessions. So if you think that you may be able to come to those sessions, let us know. It's, we're not going to be mad at you if you say you're coming and don't come, but we just want to make sure we're prepared, okay? Any questions on that? What are those dates again? The 10th and the 11th, Saturday and Sunday. Two and six. On Two and 6.30. Somebody texted me that I said 6.30 because in my notes I said 6. So uh, We haven't had, had announcements in a little while. So, um, Well, because of baby and just like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, um, but the re- I did want to say, like, somebody asked me, hey, are we still doing Cash App stuff? Yes, if you want to give an offering, you can do that. We, I'm actually got really convicted last week. I was talking to Bishop Clay, and he's like, do you feel like it's wrong to take offerings? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, okay, I just wanted to check. I didn't know if you thought it was biblically wrong to receive offerings. And I was like, no. I just never, never got good at it. Uh, so, um, yeah, so if you want to use Cash App, you can do that with the hashtag AOX. It's actually something I really pray will grow in together. I appreciate those of you who give. Um, but as far as receiving offerings, like, I'm like, man, I don't even take offerings. We don't even do that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, there, the, the approach that I took, and I have several people that I have already talked to and a couple more, um, but I will, I will just share it with you since the question was asked that way. Um, Adrian and I have felt very specifically like one of the ways we can practically practice sending um, is we are committing to partner with Sarah over the next several months, um, next three months specifically, as she is really praying um, 
we will talk more about that next week, like as far as what the details, but like I felt like instead of getting up here and just making announcements, hey, everybody, everybody like there's some specific people that I have said, hey, can I talk to you? Um, and inviting, and I'll, I'll tell you, if you want to participate, like it's not just for a few people, but people who have really been committed to Sarah and also people who have talked to me or I feel like sending means something to you. And so I've got a handful of more people to, to talk about, but yes, we need to, I've asked you to be praying about it, so I appreciate you asking that question. Um, and we're really just leaning in. Um, again, I'll share more about that next week, but I'll just say this. In the process of sending people, we can never make that into a formula. What will be right in sending one person is not going to be the same thing we do the next thing because it wouldn't be the right thing. Does that make sure? Does that make sense? Right? So, like, I'm not against, I really am not, and some of you don't believe me, but uh, probably won't believe me, but I'm not against um, efficiency. I'm not. But I know that God is pressing in even more that there's not a formula. There's not a formula. And we want to find the right way and then repeat. <laughs> and there's just so many times in Scripture that ended up not working out well. We're going to mention one of those this morning. So, Okay? Um, all right. And then last thing is, I just want to mention to you guys so you can be praying with me and potentially join me in this. But uh, I've been asked to go and do some stuff with Petra um, which is a church in Pittsburgh that many of you have visited and, and been connected with. And it's, I just need your prayer. Um, we spent the last two Thursdays and at least the next four walking with them and really trying to move from a place where church is seen as structure to like church seen as relationship and family. And um, that can sound really good, but that's really hard. And so this week we were... We were in the midst of it, and Bishop Clay and I are sitting up front. We're kind of tag teaming, and I'm just sharing. And he's like, stops me. And he's like, I don't think we can go any further. I think we just got to stop and repent. And I was like, okay, well, what is that going to look like? And I look, I mean, I was just like, I was already aware. It was kind of like a heavy, it was kind of heavy. And um, I was like, how are you guys feeling? And like, the people started sharing what they were feeling. And God's really doing a really precious thing, but it's not easy. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of like whenever you invite Holy Spirit to come and do things that you know may not be fun. That's where they're at right now. And so specifically, several people said, hey, can you bring some of the crew with you? Can you bring some of the family with you? Um, so uh, I know Adrian and Abby have been coming with me, um, and we've been spending most of the day just connecting with different people. Um, they'll be doing that this, this coming week. Um, following that, Abby's got to be here for theater, and so I won't be all day down there. But if, if you have it in your heart either to drive down and be there for the evening, it's uh, from 7 we go from like 7 to 8.15 in teaching time, and then there's like a family time of just hanging out with some food and connecting. I know it's a long drive. I'm not expecting any of you to, but I'm inviting you to because I think that what they're trying to grow in is really significant and precious. And they've invited me slash our spiritual family to be a part of their journey. So um, Thursdays, yeah, so... And there'll be more stuff. I mean, this is a, a, another thing that's unfolding. Um, so I depend. So I need to let you, if, if you're interested in going, let me know ASAP. Because I typically, because I'm driving down there, try to accomplish several things. But if I know, hey, there's people who want to come down one day, I'll try to either me not go early. But I, if, if it's start, I have to be there by 6, like 35. So it's about an hour and 20 minutes. So if that's going to happen, but let me know. Okay, all right. 
I just want to tell you guys uh, a testimony for me this week and, and connect it to two scriptures um, that I think are connected to what we've been talking about with seasons and God's purpose. Um, man, I've, I've seen so much. How many, of you, how many of you got more snow this week? Did you say thank you for it? All right? Thank you for the snow. Uh, as I walked out the door this morning, I heard the snow melting. And I was thinking, wow, the this, this snow that's melting, it's not melting for now. It's melting for the next season. You know, it's, it's getting ready for the next season. So I just really pray that as we, you know, see the rain, as we see the snow, that God will help us remember things in season. So I'm just going to, I just want to share with you and then believe God for activation um, about a couple things that happened this week in, in, in my life. So Jesus, please bless this time. I pray it be profitable for everybody. I pray that um, yeah, God come and deal, uh, deal with us on, on what you're speaking. God, thank you for each person that's here. God, for this unique, there's never, listen, there's never been a moment in all of history where this group of people have been together. So the opportunity for us to worship the Lord with a unique offering to release a unique fragrance, there's never been a moment in time like this moment. Um, and so God, we just pray that what you're doing, that we would receive from, God, I pray that individuals' hearts would be encouraged. God, I pray that um, collectively, God, we would hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, turn back to Numbers, or to Exodus 3. Um, take us a couple minutes to get there. Um, but Adrian and I got a chance to go away this week and have some time. We try to do that every quarter. Just go away, have some time to be able to have long, long conversations, pray. And this time specifically, we uh, were processing things we were praying about during the end of, of 2017. And um, man, the first two days were so good and so fun and just so much connection. And I felt like both of us woke up on Wednesday and um, we could just tell, it wasn't like we weren't mad at each other, but we could just tell there was like everything was being contested. Like where we were going for breakfast, like getting there on time was being contested. Like it just like every step of the day was like, but I, it wasn't bad. You know what those moments feel like? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just like, there was something, there was something worth going through. It would have been so, so many times for the day, it would just have been easier to change the agenda. But we really felt like what we were supposed to do, like it was worth it. Does that make sense? And it, so we got home and Derek and Laura had Abby and we got home and that was contested. Like, I, that's never been contested. We got there and Abby was finishing up something and you could tell oh, she wasn't quite ready for us to get there, you know? And it was just like contested. And so I had been asked, um, so just hang with me. I'm going to tell you a story then we'll get to the word. Okay? It's not a rabbit trail. It's kind of like the progression. I had been asked to come and do an interview on the Christian TV station um, down in Pittsburgh on Thursday morning. And I had absolutely zero desire to go and do that. Um, I just didn't want to. But I really felt like called to the relationship. Some of you guys know Sydney. Sydney and her husband Jake came here, uh, maybe right before they got married, and we got a chance to pray, love on them and pray with them. She's a part of Petra, and um, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I had decided I'm not going to do it. It's not a good time to do it. I just couldn't get it out of my heart that we needed to. And so they wanted me to come and talk about like following Jesus and impacting culture. And I just thought, like, I don't want to go have that conversation with that group of people. Um, and I never, never met anybody there. I didn't have a bad taste in my mouth about them personally. I just, like, don't want to do this. But as we were driving on Monday, 
I felt like I should call Bishop Clay and talk with him about it and tell him what I was thinking. And I really felt called. I just told Adrian, I felt really committed to Sydney. He's like, man, I think you should check with Sydney. And if she feels like it would be supporting to her, you should do it. So I called Sydney and Sydney was like, oh, it would be such a blessing if you could come. I would really feel supported. And I'm like, well, that's really clear. Should do that. And like, we get back from our getaway at like 8.30 or something like that. They got us a hotel in Pittsburgh because we had to be at the station at 7.45. Now, for most people, that's not a big deal. But if you guys know my, my family, getting Adrian and Abby any place early in the morning is not easy. So I really appreciate that. But that means we came home. And guys, it's like 10.30 and we're getting ready to drive to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, the whole day has just felt contested. But I realized, okay, I'm going to ask a few people to pray. And we had an amazing time on the way down. I'm driving to the... <laughs> station, having to repent about my attitude about Christian television. (laughs) It was a real thing. I'm very, very serious. I walked in and man, there's just so much love and honor. And at the same time, I saw all the things that annoy me about Christian TV. but you can't repent for something and then hold on to judgment. Nobody asked, but I'm going to say that one again. (laughs) We can't repent for something and then hold on to the judgment. And I know that like what's happening in the moment is actually like God working in me. It has nothing to do with the fact that this show needs me to be on it, you know? And I, you know, and I kind of thought, oh, cool, I'm going to come be on this little TV show. And I really knew nothing about it. And I got there, the producer was like, oh, thank you so much for coming on. Like, I don't know what I expected, but like the studio was like really nice. And like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So like, tell me about the show. What's the heart of the show? He's like, well, you know, we produce programs here in Pittsburgh, but this is a show that actually like has been picked up by several other networks. And so this is like one of the most like fruitful things that we, we see happening. And we're really excited because what you talk about is like really like the heart of like what we're going after. I thought, okay. The reach of the, of the show was definitely much more significant than I thought. And I'm like, okay, I, this is a serious invitation they've invited me into. But then the opening segment of the show, I'm not up there yet, you know. They're talking about things and they're very much doing the, you know, the, the thing that I don't like, which is whatever... Um, my perception is at least where we, we associate the kingdom of God with like a worldview that to me is a worldview instead of a kingdom view. Uh, and I just, you know, try not to get frustrated. And then they have a really great conversation with like a, a panel of pastors trying to handle hard questions. I'm like, man, these guys are really having their heart to just follow Jesus and make an impact. And I wouldn't do it this way, but they are really just giving themselves to like being honest and transparent. And so God's working in my heart. You understand what I'm saying? Like God's working in my heart. And I get up and do my interview and like, I just realized I got to be me. And there was something in the moment where me being me was able to like bless somebody else. Does that make sense? I realized leaving the station, I was spending all day in the Christian circle. 
with like large or large, like compared to this, really large churches that I have a lot of respect for, but where we've been like invited to come in and do something. And it's almost like I don't fit. Does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like I didn't fit. It was like a feeling and a mindset. Like, I feel like I fit everywhere but Cornerstone. I feel very fit relationally. So I went and spent, um, I've talked to you guys before about my friends, uh, Joey and Debbie Garlington, who were at Covenant Church in Pittsburgh, and they're becoming the senior pastors there this year. And um, just precious, really close relationship that I look forward to sharing with you guys. Um, and they were having a, a, a week this week they called Times of Refreshing, and it was, it was an opportunity to get together and, uh, with, with, you know, their church, but then they bring different people from, from around the country to come in and, and really at the beginning of the year to, to really focus. And, and I was going because I wanted to support Joey and Debbie. Like I was, I, I knew how important it was for them. Joey is one of my best friends. I know that the transition he's walking through where his dad is, um, you know, turning over leadership of this church to him. It's, it's a, it's not what he wanted necessarily, but it's what God started speaking. Now it's a desire in his heart. But I, I was like, hear what I'm saying. I was going for him. Right? How many of you have ever done something like, like you showed up for someone else? Jehovah Sneaky was there. <clears throat> and um, we walked in. We were, because we'd been coming from the interview, it was a little bit late. We walked in. I texted Joey and said, hey, we're on the way. He's like watching for us. They've got like seats for us, you know, and they pull us up and we're sitting in these, you know, special seats. And some of you know my feelings about special seats, you know, I just... And they're just trying to love us and honor us, you know, and I'm like having to work through all my thoughts about special chairs. <laughs> the um, person who was speaking was uh, Krista Smith, Kristen, Sean Smith, or some people I had connected with, Sean, several years ago in Cleveland. Krista got up, she said, I want, I want to share a word with you guys today that I think it's an important word, but the, the agreement is you have to listen for you. And my father was like, well, I didn't come for me. I came for Joey. <laughs> and she asked us if we would agree to listen for you. Like, okay. And man, God just like shredded my heart. It was like surgery. I mean, she got me here, 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 all over here. <laughs> And Adrian was getting here, here, here. Abby, I mean, we're all just like a wreck. And I want to I share this perspective with you. I'm not going to try to teach everything she taught, but I want to share this perspective with you, confess something to you, and ask us to pray together, okay? That's the plan. Exodus 3. Moses is out in the... Uh, the desert. Does anybody remember how he got there? Killed a guy and ran away. So I think it is significant, like one of the things that like looking at the life of Moses over the last several years, I think he's an important figure um, as we have been trying to engage in some of the cultural things. Like Moses was born a Jew, which what was their state at that time? They were slaves. He was born a slave and raised by Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter. So he was born a slave and raved by the chief slave owner. And 
there's a tension in his life. Does that make sense? There's a tension in his life that, um, man, how many of you can like recognize that he grew up in the family that most of the other slaves resented? And sometimes the thing that you're born for, you, feels what you feel the farthest away from. He was born to deliver his people, but yet he was raised in the house of the one who controlled the situation. And some of you feel like there's contradiction in your life. I know I do. Does that make sense? There's contradiction between the space that you feel like you're called to and the place that you feel like you are. And that is true in his life. And so he reaches this place, and I think this is a word that we've gone over here, and I'm not going to try to, to really drill this in because I think that, that there's stuff. Um, Katie, I just want to say thank you for leading this morning. There was something happened whenever you put your voice out there. That was a powerful moment. And what you carry in your heart about justice, there was something that got released into our community that was more. There was, a, I, I really believe that, I believe that there was like a moment of a faith transaction because you care about things and you carry things. And when you were willing to release that, we got more of both. We got more of what you care about and more of what you carry. Does that make sense? How many of you know God's got a heart for justice that's not rooted in injustice? God's heart for justice is not just like a reaction to bad things happening. He has a heart for justice. It's crazy. Read the Psalms. It's in there. Read Isaiah. It's in there. Like, it's really, really good. And his heart for justice isn't just because bad things are happening. Like, that's like, we're not trying to um, move the world into a form of less brokenness, right? Like, the justice of God is different from that. The justice of God rolls from heaven, and it's not based on the world's brokenness and trying to just clean up a mess. It's about releasing heaven to earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Micah chapter 6. What does it mean to walk with God? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. What is, that? What is his will? What is his desire for you? Do justly. God's, like, this, the heart of justice is at the center of walking with him. Does that make sense? Okay, Moses had a heart for justice, but he responds in wrath and he kills an Egyptian. And now he finds himself in the desert, right? Okay, we're going to read just a couple verses. Um, he sees this bush that's burning. How many of you know that like bushes burning in the desert is not necessarily uncommon, right? What's that called whenever something just catches on fire? Spontaneous combustion. Doesn't happen all the time, but that can happen. What was different about this bush? It wasn't consumed. There was something that caught his eye. It was this bush that was on fire that wasn't burning up. And out of that, God speaks to him. In verse 11, um, there's a conversation that's taking place as God releases a commission and an invitation to Moses. And Moses says in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt and he, that you shall serve God on this mountain. God has a invitation in a calling for Moses. I asked last week how many of you are called, right? How many of us are called? All of us. And Jesus has this conversation where he's saying many, you know, many are called, few are chosen. That can be a scary scripture one time, like, oh, I'm called, but am I chosen? Like, 
Who are the ones who were chosen? The ones who showed up. In the feast, these many are called, but the ones who were chosen are the ones who came, right? There's something about winning a battle just by being present. There's something about accomplishing God's plan for your life just because we showed up. Does that make sense? Okay. God is speaking to Moses who has removed himself. He ran away. He's gotten on the backside of a desert. He didn't just go to the desert. He went to the backside of a desert. And God is speaking. He says, hey, I have a plan for you and I want to use you to deliver my people. And he says, who am I? And God says, I'm with you. That's how God responds. God says, I'm with you. Moses says, verse 13, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is a memorial to all generation. We go on, and we're not going to read all of this, um, but you can, I would encourage you to read this this week. God introduces himself. He says, I am, I am. That's who I am. But this is what you can say. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We talked last week about the importance of knowing what God is saying in a moment, but remembering he's saying it in the context of generations. God is committed to you, and he's committed to generations. There are moments that we live in today that we have no idea how we got here because we don't know the story of what happened a few generations ago. It's really easy for us to get caught up in the move of God and think God's doing this new thing that's brand new, but God has been committed for generations. Does that make sense? Why is that important? When we lose the context of history, it's really easy to not understand our place in his story. Right? If we don't have the context of history, if we don't understand that God has been committed, listen, if we don't have an understanding of that, we will feel like this thing that God is doing is some this brand new thing that has never happened before. And in, in those moments, instead of having the momentum of what God has been doing for generations, we think it's all on us to make something happen. And in the church, typically, the church has not known how to use what God has been doing before and flow from relationship into what he's doing today. Does that make sense? The moves of God from yesterday seem to be disconnected. Like historically, it's very easy for people in one generation to criticize what God does in the next generation. And it's very easy for what God does in this generation for people to look back with disdain on what happened before. Katie and I were sitting in uh, Beans on Friday and we're just having a conversation. It's winding down. And a professor, Grove City, uh, comes to unplug his computer and he just says to us in this weird moment, he's like, yeah, I wish Catherine Coleman was here because my back's hurting. And I was like, what? <laughs> Do what? I was like, I guess we should offer to pray. You know, it's like, <laughs> we might miss a moment, you know, if we... I'll tell you. <laughs> Catherine Coleman was a young uh, woman who grew up in the, in the prairies, 
Missouri. But she ended up in Franklin, Pennsylvania. And she was kind of, I guess, middle of her life. She had gone through a failed marriage. But she had fallen in love with Jesus and she started telling everybody about Jesus. She started praying for sick people. She is such a good example of someone who probably didn't have perfect theology, but God kept showing up anyway. Now, if you met her, she was the most down-to-earth person. But for whatever reason, whenever the TV camera went on, like she, she could seem to some people like a real flighty person or real dramatic. But she had a ministry up in Franklin and God started moving and she started traveling and she would go from Franklin to Grove City to New Wilmington to Youngstown. And every, every week she had this like little circuit and she actually came to Grove City when she lived in Franklin and she did a radio program that was recorded here and sent to Pittsburgh and then broadcast it around the world. She ended up being one of the most influential people in the 60s and 70s in all the body of Christ. Moved her ministry base to Pittsburgh and during the, the charismatic movement um, down on Grant Street or down, not, it's probably at Grant Street, but downtown there was an old Presbyterian church that she would have these miracle, miracles and healing services. And people would come from all over the world. Fun, fun fact. Fun fact. My mom was a teenager whenever this is happening, and she goes to the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. And there was a guy by the name of David Wilkerson who was also very influential uh, in the body of Christ. There's actually a movie that I might, might have a movie night. When you watch the movie, you might think that's really cheesy, but this movie was revolutionary for its time. It's called The Cross and the Switchblade. And this story, yeah, the book, the story is about David Wilkerson, a country farmer from eastern Pennsylvania who went into New York City, ended up meeting gangs, met a guy by the name of Nicky Cruz. And the story of a simple preacher from Pennsylvania who met a gang member and led him to Jesus, traveled all over the world, and thousands of people came to Jesus. How many have ever heard of Teen, of teen Challenge? Teen Challenge has like helped Thousands and thousands and thousands of people get free from addiction. All flowed out of this heart of what God was doing in a relationship between a simple backwoods preacher who showed up in the city. So anyway, he would come and they would do um, youth rallies in Pittsburgh, the Soldier and Sailors uh, Memorial. And my mom would go and my mom and her sister would go and... Um, my, my mom, my aunt, ended up marrying the son of Catherine Kuhlman's personal assistant. This is a fun fact, right? It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but when I was little, Catherine Kuhlman decided she wanted to get new curtains. And so Mrs. Zurich took the old curtains and took them home and they were in a bag. And so my aunt made me a little suit out of Catherine Kuhlman's curtains. <laughs> That's why I'm so special. I'm loved by God as I have a suit made of Catherine Kuhlman's curtains. Yes. Catherine Kuhlman would just wait on the Lord. There'd be hundreds of people there. She wouldn't, she wouldn't go on stage until she sensed the presence of God. 
Grove City professor. I wish Catherine Kuhlman was here. Maybe my back wouldn't hurt. Katie and I, okay, well, we'll take that opportunity. <laughs> Pray. Said his back was improved greatly. Got into a conversation with him about all those things. Guys, there's a story. There's a story in Grove City. Billy Sunday was here. More people came to Jesus than lived in the city. Right down at the Methodist Church. More people. This became a hub. People came from around the area. More people came to Jesus in a revival about 100 years ago than lived in the town. It's easy to kind of think that what we're doing is this. And I don't think that you feel that personally. I'm saying God was a coming after something in my life. Does that make sense? And so God says to Moses all this stuff and, and gives, gives him these signs. And Moses is like, okay, send someone else. I can't talk well. And this is what Krista said, and it rocked me to the core. She said, you know what God did? He said, God did something that's caused Christians to stumble because God in his mercy still allowed Moses to be a part of what he was doing. He still gave him a rod of authority. And he said, okay, Aaron will be the mouthpiece. Do you realize God's, like, like picture this, God's in a bush that's not burning up. He's having a, the living God is having a conversation with Moses. And because of an insecurity in Moses' life, he says, no, pick someone else. God brings someone alongside of him out of his mercy. And the point that was made that really rocked me is Moses' response to God's mercy was to build something that accommodated the rebellion in his heart. Listen to me. God said, I want to go. Moses said, I don't talk real good. He said, who made man's mouth? I, I, I can handle the fact that you don't talk well. Does that make sense? God still, God didn't leave Moses. But Moses had an issue of an insecurity in his life, of, of, a, of a weakness in his life that he didn't deal with. And it can be easy to forget that part of the story as we see all the amazing things that happened after that. Did God continue to do signs and wonders through Moses? Yeah, this is at the beginning. The whole 10 plague thing, kind of a big deal. He leads the children of Israel out of bondage. Gets to the Red Sea. Think about this. Gets to the Red Sea and Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. God said, no, you stretch out your rod and part the waters. God gave Moses a rod. The rod represents authority. Moses was waiting on God to do something, and God said, no, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it through you exercising the authority I've already given you. Guys, the Red Sea opens up. This is a crazy miracle. And Moses leads the children of Israel across. And if that's not enough, then he destroys the enemy behind them. Then a whole generation dies in the wilderness because they don't believe. Isn't that crazy? We'd be like, if I was there, if I would have seen that miracle, I would believe anything. No, 
Moses is talking to a bush and saying, no, pick somebody else. And listen, in our own lives, I've never, I've never had the enemy say, yeah, right now, this, I'm, this is the spirit of man-pleasing, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute. That's never happened. There's always a way whenever the enemy's trying to lead us into deception where it sounds rational. Does that make sense? Do you know that communication is one of the biggest insecurities in my life? God, I wish I could say a lot of amazing things in 15 minutes. Like, if you only knew the desire of my heart to be able to be neater. And Cody, like, what you said this morning meant a lot to me because I just looked around this morning, had God's perspective. I was like, man, this is a magical, not magical, this is heavenly. I was watching people love each other. I was watching kids play. I was watching... Watching kids run across the floor. Just thinking about the difference of like, I mean, guys, there's a time that maybe that's not good, but like, man, in worship, I love the fact that the kids are a part of it. I love the fact they're here. Watching Charter and Arbor and Joshua run around. Do you know there's actually something happening in Joshua watching the girls play, right? Can you see that? Like Joshua's learning. And as, I mean, I'm just, I'm praying for Ben and for Jesse, for Joshua and for this new baby that's coming. And this is now a couple of times and I've watched Joshua get courage to go play by watching other kids play. And I think that's so important. But I thought, like, if that would have happened in most of the churches I would have been in, I'm like, control your child. (laughs) Control your child. I'm like, that sounds gross. And that's where that whole, God doesn't want to control us. Like, don't, there is a time, there's, man, I'm not saying there's not a, there's, there are times whenever you should discipline your kids in a certain way, and discipline doesn't always mean that you're punishing them. You're training them. Does that make sense? But I looked at like, man, I just looked around at the testimonies of what God said. I was like, wow, this is awesome. But do you know what? I spend so much time, and I shouldn't, but I have an insecurity I spent so much time saying, God, there's got to be someone better that can say it better. And you can begin to build contingencies in your life to accommodate insecurity. Okay, are you guys with me right now? Because this now is I'm going to share about me, but also say, let's ask God if there's anything. In our lives, we've allowed the insecurities and the dysfunction in our own lives to be things we've built around to accommodate instead of dealing with. Does that make sense? Flip over to to Numbers 20. We're going to read one more scripture and we'll wrap this thing up. But God goes through signs and and then (laughs) Moses is like, I don't want to do it. Like he's talking to the living God. Having a, converse, a supernatural conversation with a living God. And like, no, I don't want to do it. And then God still shows up. I want, to, I want you to know, God showing up in your life should never be seen as an endorsement that things that he is dealing with you about are okay. I have watched 
and I, I have several people that pop into my mind immediately. People that I love and I'm committed to that are anointed in their call and they have a major issues in their life, but God will still show up. And so they think, well, it must be okay. You know, so people will still get healed whenever I'm, so whether or not I have this thing in my life that I'm not dealing with, God must be okay with it because he's still showing up. Does that make sense? And guys, that's how we can live in a place where we love Jesus and we don't allow our whole hearts to come alive in freedom is because we accommodate, we've grown, we've grown custom that the yes in our heart is, is partial and we've still got places that are no's in our hearts. Does that make sense? Yeah? Have I told you I'm insecure about my communication? So just like work with me. There are times whenever, yes, but, yes, with contingencies, will lead us to a place that we build safety mechanisms into our own life. And I want you to see what happens at the end because like you could look at the life of Moses and you can say like God did a lot through this man, but he didn't get to go into the promised land. And if you look, there's a direct connection between what God said to him back in Exodus 3 that was never dealt with that ends up being the thing that keeps him out of the promised land. Again, we're skipping so much stuff, but there's this time where they need water and God says to them, hit the rock. Again, guys, today, if I knew I could get a wa water from a rock by hitting it, I would write a book about how to get water from a rock because that is what we look for. What's the formula? How do we make it happen? How to heal the sick in five easy steps. What's your model for deliverance? How do you activate people in prophetic evangelism? Guys, there's things that are good, useful, practical training things that are good. But again, it's so easy to move from the presence down to principles. And we miss him. We miss what God is forming because we're looking for the formula. So that's, the, that's like the connect the dot story here, okay? So let's read in verse two. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, if we only had died with our, bro with our brothers. Man, you know that's a rough day. <laughs> I wish we were dead, right? If we had only died. I mean, you want to go back to Egypt? You want to be dead? Anything but being here with you now. If we had only died when our brethren died before the Lord, why have you brought, us, brought up the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we, we and our animals should die here? Why have, you made us, why have you made us come out from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. This wasn't the first time this has happened, okay? Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron gathered, and you and your brother Aaron gathered in the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Where did go Moses get the rod? From God. But he also said, no, send somebody else. I don't talk good. 
God still gave him a rod. God still gave him authority. But at the end of his life, what had worked one time and hitting the rock cost him this time. Because God said, take the rod and speak. He says, I don't do that. I don't speak. And so God was clear. Who made your mouth? God is clear, Brad. See, it never, my insecurities never say to me, this is your insecurity speaking. This is a spirit of fear speaking. It comes and just says, man, this is part of being humble and like, man, you're not good in this way. And, but God's got other people who can do that. Is that true? That I don't have to be good at everything and God's got other people with other giftings. Is that true? Yeah, but whenever I allow there to become a conditional no in my heart to what God is saying because I'm afraid, I can make it sound good. I can, rational, I can use my understanding to rationalize where I'm not leaning on the Lord. Does that make sense? God, what are the areas where I've allowed an insecurity or a dysfunction in my heart to become a part of how I think so that when I respond to you, I'm responding with a half-truth, with a half-yes. Does that make sense? I asked that question too much, but I don't know what else to say. About uh, 10, 11 years ago, I was sitting in the driveway at my grandma's house with my friend Lee. Lee had lost his leg in 2007 and he'd lost it to cancer. He was in the middle of a good phase. He was in the middle of a good phase. And we were meeting together. Guys, we had nothing. Like we had just, just felt like our life was kind of falling apart. We had Abby. That was good. But right after that, everything just kind of felt like it fell apart. And uh, I had gotten a job. I was excited. Then my engine in my van blew up. I had no vehicle. So now, you know, we've, we've had to move in with my grandma because we got evicted from our apartment. I'm like technically homeless, staying with a woman who doesn't want me staying. She loves me, but she doesn't want me staying there. It was hard. And now I can't get, she lives in the middle of farm. I've never lived in a farm, farm community, but now I can't even walk to work anywhere. There's no place to walk to work. I can't even go get a job at the, you know, neighbor. I, I, I have no options. I remember Lee would drive 40 minutes and come pick me up and we would, sometimes he would take me on sales appointments. Sometimes we'd just go to a coffee shop and we'd work and we were, we were coming back and we were wrestling and we were, we were wrestling with what God was saying to us. And Lee looked at me and he's like, you know, he said, more than signs and wonders, I really believe if we could, like the church can figure out how we really walk in love with each other. If we could really see how we walk in community, how we walk as family, like the, the world would change if the world could see that. And I looked at him, I was like, Lee, like I believe that 100%. And he's like, we just, we had these conversations where like, this seems so clear, but like it seems so far away. You ever had that thought? And I remember like, we just looked at each other and we just said, you know, like, this is the thing that, like, we should go after. And there was a time, I remember Doug was there one time. We met at, at uh, Perkins, I think it was. 
And we talked with several people about maybe moving to Grove City then. It wasn't necessarily like, I never really like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to move to Grove City. But it was like, maybe this is worth pursuing. It didn't seem like the right thing. You know, this Friday will be uh, nine years since Lee went to heaven. And I think about all the time, I see something that reminds me, I think about that conversation in the driveway about what, what is it I'm pursuing? I'm pursuing Jesus, but we're pursuing Jesus in a specific way. Why? Because I believe something. I said last week, and, and, and I want to, I want to try to bring this to a, a, a close, but I want to bring it to a close that's pointy, a pointy close, like an arrow. Okay. So can you give me like three more minutes? Lean in. I remember not long after uh, Lieb had passed away, I was on the campus of Grove City and there were some students who were there and there was revival prayer happening and there was these guys and they were all excited about things God was doing. And it's the only time I can remember in my life having this, but I had a picture came into my mind like while I was talking to them that was like a split screen picture. On one side, there was these guys partying on the beach and there were students that I knew and there was a fire on the beach and they were kind of doing a conga line around the fire. Oh, yay! And they're just celebrating because there's fire. But they didn't know there was anything to steward and so they partied until the fire went out. The fire went out. On the other side, the same students were there and they saw the fire and they got excited about the fire and they celebrated the fire, but then they built a furnace so the fire wouldn't go out. And that became important to me. Does that make sense? We're living stones being built together. Right? This week, as I'm dealing with this place of like insecurity in my life and saying, God, what is it? God just reminded me of something by his, by his grace. He reminded me what happened back here with the kids a couple weeks ago where they're playing with the mat. I mean, look at the mat now. This is awesome. Like this, is like, this is the perfect picture. Like the mat that we put over there for the kids to play on has now become something that they play with. Because God's more committed to the children than he is to the structure. Do you understand that? I pray that God puts that in our spirit. He said, in the same way that I'm more committed to the children than the structure, he said, what, what is a furnace for? He said, don't become committed to the furnace because the furnace is for the fire. He said, without the fire, it's just a pile of stones. We, we're, not, we're not here just to see how well we can connect stones together. We're here to steward a fire, right? Does that make sense? God's calling us, not just us, but he's calling us. He's calling his people together. He says we are a house of living stones, that he is doing something. God doesn't need a nice building. I thank God for the space he's given us, but God doesn't need this space because he doesn't live in a house made with hands. He lives in a house of living stones that he has fit together. And he says over and over in the New Testament, his desire is to come to fill the house. When Jesus is in the house, things change. When there was, in Mark chapter two, when they heard Jesus in the house, people couldn't stay away. So we may have to alter some of the things that we do and things that we become comfortable with to allow other people to come find Jesus in a house. And maybe it's not in this room. Maybe it's in your living room. Maybe it's at the coffee shop. Maybe it's at your work. But like, are we willing to let God deal with the things that we're kind of insecure about 
so that he can come and fill us. So that nations get delivered. So that families get delivered. See, I, like, I, was, I was from a family of alcoholics. And some, some guy got the idea that Wilmington needed another church. And he moved across the bridge. He moved from one side of the river to the other. And they moved in a neighborhood and my aunt met somebody in, in, the, in the neighborhood, the, the, the church planner and, and his family just started making friends in the neighborhood. And my, 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 sister, my dad's sister went to church and then my dad went to church and my dad gave his life to Jesus. And I have a different history because somebody stepped out and they did something that probably a lot of people said, well, Wilmington doesn't even need another church. But they just did the thing that they felt like God put in his heart to do. And like, my daughter has a destiny that was so disconnected from the, what the story was. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, my dad didn't learn about breaking generational curses. My dad didn't have the spirit of alcoholism prayed off of him. My dad met Jesus, and somehow the gospel worked. I'm not against breaking off generational curses. I'm not against that at all. I'm just saying, like, my dad didn't have the benefit of that, but somehow you brought me up to love Jesus, and I had a different starting line than my dad did. I never saw my dad beat his wife. My dad watched his dad beat his mom. I never saw that happen. I saw my dad, and I saw my mom pray for me every day. Does that make sense? You are a part of a story that's more than this moment. That doesn't mean this moment's not important. But in stewarding what God's doing, he's wanting us to steward, there are conversations, Jesse, that you and I had years ago that I'm watching happen in people's lives. There are things that you taught people by hearing the voice of God that they probably don't think, oh, I'm going to go back to the notes that Jesse taught me this. Now they just do it as a lifestyle. And as you're thinking about like motherhood and like, how do you do everything you're doing? There may be times that you forget that God took seeds that you put out 10 years ago. And there are people that are coming to Jesus because you were faithful in a moment 10 years ago. There are things in your life, there are things in our story that God is not done with. But faith means something. And God is calling us to live by faith, not by forgetting. There are things that God did in you in the last season. There is snow that fell in the last season for a harvest that's still yet to come. But can you have faith for the harvest or to see, well, we'll see what happens. Does that make sense? Stand up. What we're building together is not something that I want to think about. Oh, What's the structure of how we're doing? No, I want us to, like, let's build our life on the life of Jesus. Let's follow Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's not think about, like, constructs of the way we do small groups or the way we do church. Or, like, let's be sensitive to follow Jesus and keep our eyes on Jesus. But let's remember that the thing that God is inviting you into Today, the thing that God is working on in your heart today, it does have an impact for today. But it also has an impact in eternity. It also has an impact 50 years from now. And so the things that we hold on to, here's, here's the deal. I said last week, 
the grace to flow in acceleration is hidden in our faith and his faithfulness when things don't look right. Some of you have been believing for things you haven't seen. I'm telling you, that's what faith is. Faith is not seeing things and saying, I'll agree with it. Faith is saying, I haven't seen it yet, but it's still true. I've been disappointed, but what God said is still true. And I put that seed in the ground. It's been a month and I haven't seen anything. That seed's in the ground. And if, in the, if the life is in me doing something, then nothing's going to happen. But if the life is in the seed, well, I have the patience to let God do what he wants to do. This is what the word of God says. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. This is what the word of God said, that the increase of his government and peace is without end. When I look at tragedy in the life of an individual or I look at tragedy in the life of a whole nation, I can choose to put my faith in what I see and say, God, why isn't this working? Or I can choose to put my faith in what I haven't seen, but what I believe. And that is God is not a liar. Every other God is a liar. But my God is not a liar. My God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to be a Joseph. I want to see God work in my life in a way that means that people who should die of famine don't die. But I, you know what? I want to be like Joseph and say, God, even if I haven't seen all the promises fulfilled when I die, then take my bones with you when you go because you are true God. And if you said that there's a promise, then there's something worth believing in. Can we just pray together this morning or this afternoon? At the end of this long time together, can we pray? Can we ask God? God, give us eyes of faith. Give us eyes of faith to hold on to promises that are things that you said. I'm not just, listen, I want it to be about the thing that you wrote in your journal, but there are things that are written in his word and it's hard for you to believe it because you haven't seen it. And I'm not, I'm just telling you, I understand but I'm asking us today to like surrender and say, God, we welcome you to come into the insecure places. We welcome you to come into the places of disappointment. I welcome you to come today, God, into the places that have been dysfunctional. And I ask you that you would root out every no. I ask, God, I thank you that your love is patient. I thank you that your love is kind. Thank you, God, that your love is patient, that your love still pursues me. And I invite you, God, don't let up.
Some of you have dreams and desires. And guys, I'm not talking about following your dreams instead of following Jesus, but Psalms 20 verse four says, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all of your purpose. Some of you have God purpose dreams and desires in your heart and they, things haven't happened the way you thought they would. I'm just saying, it may be time to reevaluate that seed. It may be time to decide, hey, am I going to have faith in what I see? Because sometimes we don't want to have faith in what might not happen because we don't want to give place to be disappointed in God. And we're almost trying to protect God and protect ourselves from disappointment. But I'm just saying, guys, there's a bigger perspective. There's a yes today that's important, but there's a bigger perspective that goes beyond this moment. It goes beyond this decade. It goes beyond this century. It even goes beyond this millennium. And what God is doing in people is not because he has to. It's not because it's his only option. It's because it's his best idea. It's his best option. And so when we have things that war against our faith and war against our understanding, it's important that we lean not on those things, but we lean into him. So God, I ask right now, just for every person God, I ask for me first, though. I say me first, God. Come and heal places that are broken. God, come convict me and lead me in repentance for places where I've started to believe things that are just not... 100% true. And then can we just finish our time? Would you just begin to just thank him? Jesus is the one who comes and baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. If there's any place in your life you've been trying to build a furnace for the fire but forgot the fire, Or would you just like say, God, I welcome the fire. I welcome the fire. Come consume. Come consume me. Worship God. Our God's a consuming fire. It's not a bad thing. So God, we pray that we would make room for the fire. God, I just call right now in Jesus' name for moments and memories where there was faith. God, we, we thank you for gifts of faith. God, we ask that faith would rise up in people's hearts today. God, I pray that faith would rise up. We pray for a spirit of courage to be released in Jesus' name. Cody, if if it's cool, Cody, can you play for a couple minutes? I just would encourage you, let's just end today like this. I'm going to put the mic down and I'm not going to pick it back up. That's the plan, right? As much as I can, I'm going to just put it down. Now I'm going to walk away. But before you walk away, can you just take a second and say, God, is there anything that you want to deal with right now? And if there is, and you feel like you need others to pray with you, I'll just be up here if you want to. I'll be happy to pray with you. Or you know what? There's a lot of people who are qualified to pray in this room. And so you may say, hey, just I'm going to grab your hand and say, can we just pray for a minute? But let's not just 
make this a, you know, a long time that doesn't have a point at the end. God, make it a pointed arrow. Point us where you want us to go today. 